Hello? Uh, Forgotten Cinema Intro Guy, are, are, are you in here? It's it's me, Mike. You gotta say your thing, we gotta start the show. Where am I? I think it was one of the first horror movies I put on our list, and just watching it again, I was just like, I made a mistake. And Jesse Eisenberg's name popped up. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg? No! Who did you say played the brother? Makes out with Jimmy for no reason. <laughs> Jimmy didn't earn that kiss. He did. Where we're going, you don't need us. Here's the fourth annual Forgotten Horror. Boo. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Hi, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're now entering the House of the Devil. The apartment of the damned and the shanty town of lost souls. Welcome to the fourth annual Forgotten Horror. Each episode, we'll discuss a film that was forgotten by audiences. Perhaps they were too busy running from the ghosts of murdered children. Maybe they were bitten by a strange creature and like to howl at the moon. Or maybe they're being terrorized by an ancient wooden fetish doll. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you're not getting sucked into an event horizon and ripping your skin from your face, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us or we'll find you. Our podcast is available on all platforms for your listening displeasure. What's up? <laughs> Nothing. Just continuing the spook as we're uh, heading closer into Halloween. We are. We are. Oh, well, I guess two weeks away. This is our third episode of Forgotten Horror. Uh, if you have not listened to our previous episodes, we started off a trilogy of terror with guest star John Doolin from You Can't Sit With Us. And then we went on to do, and I forgot the movie already, Butler. What did we do second? What did we do last week? <laughs> a very cursed. memorable film. We did, oh, Cursed. We did, yep. we did the Wes Craven movie Cursed, the which is, uh, cursed movie Cursed. Which is why we forgot well. about it already. We did. <laughs> that was a movie that was, that was an episode where we talked a lot about behind the scenes stuff, which was really interesting to learn. So um, I actually liked that episode. Uh, so I hope everyone did as well. But Butler, yes. what movie are we doing today? We are doing 2001's, and I can't believe it was all the way back in 2001 already. Uh, <laughs> the Others, starring Nicole Kidman. I thought you were going to go right into I didn't have the summary. <laughs> I failed. I failed. Awesome. The summary I have up is atrocious. Nice. I forgot. I read it and I hated it. So I need to bring up another summary. Those are the best kind. Ugh. Grace, Nicole Kidman, the devoutly religious mother of Anne and Nicholas, moves her family to the English coast during World War II. She awaits word on her missing husband while protecting her children from a rare photosensitivity disease that causes the sun to harm them. Anne claims she sees ghosts. Grace initially thinks the new servants are playing tricks, but chilling events and visions make her believe something supernatural has occurred. Oh, Grace. Oh, <laughs> poor, poor Grace. <laughs> so The Others has a runtime of 101 minutes. It's rated PG-13. Production budget of $17 million. It came out on August 10th, 2001. That was a Friday. It's opening weekend. It did $14 million. Domestic 96.5, international 113.4 million dollars, and world for a worldwide total of 209.9 million dollars. So uh I don't know if we can say it's forgotten, Butler, can we? Oh, it's forgotten. <laughs> it was just it was a hit, but it's a forgotten hit. 
Yes. Uh, the international take is obviously very big because this is actually considered a Spanish film. It's considered a foreign film because uh, it's uh, so. And this is the actual first film to win best film for the Goyas, which is Spain's national film award, kind of like the Oscars. Uh, it's the first uh, English speaking film to win for best film for the Goyas. So that is uh, an achievement nonetheless. Uh, production company was Las Producciones del Escorpion. Uh, Soj Cinema, or Soj Cine, excuse me, Cruz Wagner Productions, and Dimension Films. It was distributed by Dimension Films. Um, also, I, I think that's when they were owned by Miramax, which is owned by Disney. So it's it's a little convoluted, the distributor, but I have Dimension Films there. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so I said it came out on the 10th of August. It went up against, in a wide release, American Pie 2, which was a big hit because it's obviously a sequel to a very, very popular film. Uh, that film being American Pie, of course. Uh, he also had Osmosis Jones, a limited release of Session 9 and The Deep End. I would say Session 9 is kind of its uh, competition there, even though it's limited, because uh, that's a little bit more of a horror movie as well. Would you yeah. think? Yeah. Wide release. So, excuse me, on the 17th, the week after, in a wide release, you had Rat Race, American Outlaws, and Captain Corelli's Mandolin. And then the 3rd of August, which is the week before, you had a wide release of another sequel, Rush Hour 2. The Princess Diaries, Original Sin, and a limited release of Apocalypse Now, Redux. Um, it's actually that's actually a tough weekend to open up because Rush Hour Two is going to be that's big popular yep. because Rush Hour is a huge, a huge film. American Pie Two as well. You had a kids movie and Osmosis Jones, even though it's it's mixing live action and, and animation. So that those probably those are you know that's a tough weekend to open up in. And I mean, to its credit, it did well. It opened fourth, I believe. It did, uh, but it was a weekend. Uh, it stayed in fourth for like seven weeks and then went mm -hmm. up to in a seventh week, shot up to number two. Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit. I, I, I question the, I mean, I don't know why I question it. it made money, but I question the summer release uh, for this film. But again, it made money. So who am I to question, you know? Right. Uh, written and directed and composed by Alejandro Amenabar. I hope I said that right. Uh, he has done Open Your Eyes, which is actually the movie that Vanilla Sky was a remake of. Mm -hmm. He's also done The Sea Inside and Thesis. He obviously, he gets credit for writing Vanilla Sky. Uh, cinematographer, and I'm going to butcher this, was Javier Akira Sorobe, who did the 2011 Fright Night Butler that we did. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's also <laughs> done The Road and the two, two Twilight Saga films, Eclipse and New Moon. Edited by Nacho Ruiz Capias, who's done Intruders and Agor Ag Agora, excuse me. And then produced by Fernando Bavara, Jose Luis Cureta, and Sumnin Park. Uh, Bavaria, Bavaria. I hope I'm doing saying that name right. I'm probably not. Mm. Did Beautiful in the Summer. Coretta did Be uh, Butterfly and Open Your Eyes. And Park has done The Emperor and The Assassin. That's actually one film. Nicole Kidman plays Grace. She is not. Uh, she has one. She's only won one Oscar. Butler, did you know that? Uh, I feel like I did know that. Do you know how many she's been nominated for? Because this this didn't throw me, but I never really thought of it. Four, five. So she well, five, okay. she was nominated. Obviously, one for the hours. Mm -hmm. Nominated for Moulin Rouge, Rabbit Hole, Lion, and Being the Ricardos. That's the more recent one. Oh, uh, I Fanula forgot Flanagan. all about Lion. <laughs> oh, right, right. Fanula Flanagan as Mrs. Mills. She's from Waking Ned Divine, The Guard, and Tears of the Sun. Uh, Christopher Eccleston, Butler's favorite. Eccleston. Uh, Eccleston, whatever. I don't care. What is it again? <laughs> Eccleston? Eccleston. Yeah, I, sh I should know that. I don't know why I don't know that. I think I block how to say names out. So anyways, he plays Charles. He's from... He's one of the doctors on Doctor Who TV show. He's also in Thor, The Dark World, and Shallow Grave, an episode we did a season and a half ago. Maybe a season ago. Uh, uh, two seasons ago. Two? 
I thought it was wasn't like last season. More recent. It wasn't like long Kinem- ago. Oh yeah, no. Alakina Man, a man as Anne. She's one of the the daughter, Grace's daughter. She's in the girl with the pearling and nothing else. <laughs> James Bentley, <laughs> Nicholas. He is uh, Grace's son. Uh, uh, Eccleston plays uh, Kidman's husband. Just FYI, there. Um, now, anyways, Bentley was in the Life and Death of Peter Sellers as well. Both these uh, child actors really didn't go on to do, or did didn't really have a big career in terms of TV and movie after this. They, they might do some theater, but as far as credits go for TV and uh, the big screen. Very little. Elaine Cassidy as Lydia. She is in Disco Pigs and Felicia's Journey. Eric Sykes as Mr. Tuttle from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and One Way Pendulum. And then you had a couple of people in here that I didn't know if you recognize them, Butler. You had Keith Allen as Mr. Marlish, uh, who owned the house. Uh, he's from uh, Shallow Grave. Obviously, we talked about that. He's the drug dealer that dies. Right. In, uh, yep. Yep. Uh, Michelle Fairley as Mrs. Marlish. She is Caitlin Stark from Game of Thrones, which I, I did not recognize her. her. Oh, really? Yeah. I recognize her. I was like, wow, she's young. Well, that's, I think, partly probably why I didn't recognize it. I mean, and plus, she's on the screen real quick. So it's like, oh, oh wait a minute. And then I knew she looked familiar, but I did not know from where. And then uh, Renee Asherson, who plays the old lady, the um, her credits old lady, but she's the psychic. She's the medium. Right. She's from Henry V from 1944. And Miss Marple, a murder is announced uh, for fans of Asherson out there. <laughs> so uh, I, I had seen this, but uh, I don't remember i didn't remember much of it um i knew the twist and before we start we're going to talk about the twist so if you haven't seen it sorry um <laughs> so i remember the twist i just never i just didn't remember everything leading up to it so this is probably my this is probably my second viewing i've probably seen bits and pieces here and there was this your second viewing this would be my second full viewing like you i had seen bits and pieces obviously remember the twist i remember not only the twist i remember what she did what Grace did, why they died. And I remember the end scene of uh, this is our house. This is I remember the chant at the end as well. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I remembered that the three caretakers were also are spoiler. <laughs> were also ghosts as well. Right. So like I remember all that part of the twist, like anything that revolved around what the ghost story was, but the specifics I didn't remember much of. Well, uh, ha- ha- let me ask you this to start. Um, it's obviously a ghost story. Is this really on the scale of horror stories? I don't know if uh, a horror, like, you know, just in the horror genre, um, how would you not rank this, but list this as what is this something that's. I'd classify it as like gothic horror, but it's, it's similar to like the woman in black, um, which is just kind of like, it's spooky. Mm -hmm. It's a ghost story, but it's not necessarily out to give you jump scares and it's like spooky at every turn it's there to just kind of give you an eerie atmosphere it's a much more atmospheric movie so but you still think horror is the main genre of this piece not, i would like, still say, call drama it horror. or they're not equal or anything like that i don't have an answer I'm just i mean asking. i guess i would if i had to class, i would probably do horror drama right. just to clear things up people going into it who are just expecting it to be you know 13 ghosts or whatever it's like <laughs> no this is definitely a drama right like a horror drama Right. Yeah, I, that makes sense. I just, you know, about an hour or so into the film, I'm just like, I, I, I was like, this doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. It took a while to get into it, but it, like in terms of kind of the creep factor, you just had a lot of like her around the house, her telling the 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 the, the help shows off <laughs> what to do. We, yeah, uh, it didn't. It felt more like a drama in the beginning, and then it kind of 
got into the ghost story, the, the, the horror element. Um, do you think that's fair to say? I think so. My, my first start of notes is basically that I was afraid that knowing the twist was ruining the movie for me Mm -hmm. because as I was watching it, the first, like you said, maybe hour, probably about an hour. I was just kind of like, this movie needs to to move. It needs to go somewhere. So it's not really going anywhere. It's a really slow buildup to what's about to happen. And I think the fact that part of that's affected, but the fact that we know the twist. Mm -hmm. So, oh, my husband's off at war and I need to protect these kids and, and this and that. But when you know that she's dead, you know, she killed her kids and you know that the husband is dead as well. It's just kind of like, I don't care. I really, it's, my note is that it's, it was really easy to pick up the sixth sense and watch the sixth sense over and over and over knowing that twist. Yes. But this film, it's, I think knowing the twist of this film hurts this film. Whereas knowing the twist of the sixth sense lets you just watch that in a different way. Well, let me backtrack then because usually I start off our discussion with, did anything change for you? Right. It sounds like it sounds like it did change for you. I didn't have the pay. Yeah. I just didn't have the patience for the non ghost stuff. Like I wanted things to move a little quicker. Right. Which I get, it's not a very long movie to, it's not a very long movie to begin with, Mm -hmm. but, um, just waiting an hour to get to anything interesting just is way too long. And to jump on that note also, I thought that knowing the twist and then the dialogue from Mrs. Mills, you know, when she's like, Oh, and she's like hinting at things. It was kind of, it felt like, it, I don't want to say it annoyed me, but it was just like, it felt cute. Like, you know, Oh, oh in good yeah. time. It felt really cute in the moments it, it were not, not, it still didn't have that effect that probably, because I think when you first watch the movie, you don't have any idea what's going on. So anything they're saying, you're, you're almost equating confusion with the mystery being, you know, in, in, encasing you. And you're like, Ooh, what's going on? Because you're confused. But then when you know, like you said, that dialogue suddenly doesn't take, takes on a different, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes when you go back and you know the twist about other movies and then you start about the, about a movie and then you listen to the dialogue and listen to the scenes, you kind of like, you're like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Like in sixth sense, he never looks at him like that kind of stuff. Right, you yeah. Know, like, you know, like that, that's really awesome. But in this movie, for some reason, it, it I just felt like I was just like, stop, please just, it's, <laughs> this is, you know what I mean? And I, maybe that's what you're trying to, that's what I'm that's just basically that's exactly, what saying. That's exactly my feeling. Like I got up, I went to the fridge you know, I got some watermelon. <laughs> Elise was home in between shifts and I was just like, yeah, I just, I just don't care. I just, mm-hmm. I know what's happening. I know what will happen. Like it's just not getting to the point. Yeah. Like so you said, you- in Sixth Sense, it's like he can't open the doors. He can't touch the knob, but this movie doesn't really establish any ghost rules. No, they eat, they eat, um, they drink, they, they drink. touch everything, but they have to lock the doors and they can't go through doors. It's very strange. Yeah. Oh, you mean when I th- I thought the same thing when Mrs. Mills and Mr. Tuttle and Lydia came up to the door and they're like, you have to let us in. They know already. They're, they, it's like, why don't you walk through the door? I don't yeah. understand why you can't walk through the door. They know who you are. Um, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm just thinking about it because I'm just like, I, I just want to be like, I totally agree and then move on. But I mean, I'm trying <laughs> to think of like the whole stuff with Victor with the mm-hmm. boy that is actually living 
and you realize that the two kids are terrorizing Victor and not the other way around, or maybe right. just he sees them. But you only see Victor once and at the end. And it's like, it still doesn't feel like they're part of the story. That whole family, the old lady, Victor, it just feels like a bookend at the end. And now we're like, oh, okay, see ya. And I almost want more of them. Like, I almost want to see them as ghosts to our ghosts, thinking that they're ghosts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you do get that one moment where you see Victor's hand come down. Right. He taps him. Then he taps. Um, oh, what's the key? James, taps right? Nicholas. Nicholas, Nicholas. He taps Nicholas. But other than that, you don't see them at all. And like you said, it'd be nice. You hear him breathing at one point and you hear him walking upstairs, but you never see the ghosts. Whereas I feel like you should see the ghost at some point, like you said. Right. Just to but, make them, even if they're ethereal, even if it's only a moment or just a flash in the doorway, like you see the the wife or the husband, mm-hmm. would have been much more powerful, uh, made the I, last scenes uh, with them more powerful. And I also wonder if, although we, I don't have a problem with the runtime, the hour and 44 minutes, but I also wonder if this movie could have used a 15, 20 minute shave and it would have gotten right and it would have been too quick for us to kind of nitpick. Because I think the pacing of the story is definitely takes its time, but it takes its time, I think, a little too much. And then so maybe if we don't give it that leeway to take its time, it'll get right to it and we'll be more enraptured with the storytelling. Um, It's not a bad movie. I don't I don't want to give people the impression I think it's a bad movie. I just I don't know if it I think for me, maybe it doesn't hold up as much in terms of. A movie needs to stand on its own once you know the twist. Right. If a movie relies on the twists completely to give you that sensation of a great film, that's really tough to kind of kick. It's tough to kind of continue on and carry over uh, for your appreciation of the movie. So it's almost like an event film, like Blair Witch, like Blair Witch is an event film. And then you see it and you're like, I don't need to see it again. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That's my entire thinking of this movie was just, Wow. I'm, I mean, I'm the one that put it on the list. It's been on our list for forever. I think it was one of the first horror movies I put on our list and just watching it again, I was just like, I made a mistake. And like you said, <laughs> it's not, it's not a bad movie. And once it started going, I regretted saying, you know, this movie's not good. But the beginning I was almost saying, I don't think this movie's good because I think if you haven't seen this movie before, you're going to see it for the first time and you'll probably really enjoy it. But if you have already seen it, it loses the magic. It really hinges on the twist. And I think also part of that is maybe I don't care about grace knowing she's what she like, did. She's not a likable character. And uh, yeah, yes. So knowing what she did on top of how she's introduced and in every scene she's in, it's, it's hard to feel bad for her. Yeah. I, I almost felt like, I, so what Butler's alluding to for people who haven't seen it and I apologize uh, but here we go. Um, they're ghosts because Grace smothers her kids uh, because she can't stand that. Uh, she finds out her husband's dead. She can't stand that he's dead. So she smothers her kids and then she realizes she smothers her kids and then she kills herself. She shoots herself with the shotgun. And there's actually a moment in the movie, which I actually like this moment where she grabs the shotgun and loads it, but pauses because that's supposed to be her having deja vu mm-hmm. about what she did to herself. So then, so and Butler's right. It once it's it, it not even, not even the fact that she's, so she's already somebody who has killed her own shit kids. And so that's all what you're immediately like, Oh, come on. This is not cool. Uh, understand that she's completely depressed. And then, but at the end of the film, 
it's like the kids accept her. They hug her. I get it. They don't understand. They don't know uh, because this is the only thing they know their mother. And, and it's like, you know, and now they're a family again, but it's like, uh, you're still sitting there going, but you murdered them. Yep. And, and I don't under, I don't, it's really difficult for me as an audience member to really, I mean, it's just depressing. I think it's just a very depressing ending to the film because you don't leave with any kind of sense of uh, just any kind of sense of satisfaction. Like the children's souls are at rest. Right. They're not anything like that. Yeah. The psychic tries to figure it out and save them. And the mom basically stops it. Yeah. The kids are stuck in limbo for something the mother did for no reason. Like when the husband comes home, you know that he had, he's a ghost, clearly a ghost. Which uh, continue because I want to ask you something about that. Right. And he's stuck in his own limbo and the front lines. He was just able to make it back to, you know, tell her he was sorry, blah, blah, blah. See his kids one more time. And then his haunt is like, I got to go haunt the front, apparently. But I, I get that he's a soldier. So he's done bad things. He's killed people. People have killed him, obviously. Sometimes I bleed, which is a terrible line. I hated that line. <laughs> um, but it's it's well acted. You know, he leaves. You kind of get the feeling that he was a ghost. Even if you don't know the twist that's coming, that the whole family's a ghost, you kind of get that he's a ghost. And he knows he's a ghost. And he is well aware. And that's why he's so off put when he sees them. And I think he has the idea that they might be ghosts. But why doesn't he get angry? Like, why does he never just have any kind of fury towards his wife? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but that was like that's not what i wanted to ask you but go ahead he did seem upset when he knew the answer like i know what you did that day but at that point what's he gonna do they're dead she's dead at least they're together mm-hmm. i mean uh, as, i guess when you're already dead and you know it there's really no point for rage plus clearly he's still even though he's dead super affected by the war so right and what i'm what i wanted to ask you was um why why does he show up is he is he sent to her by some other force to keep her there to torture her it, are we saying that he just happens upon her in the fog uh, like i, I think don't the fog why is there the fog is the in between mm-hmm. you can get into the fog you can get lost in the fog but you can't go anywhere else you're just going to end up back where you were haunting so he was in the fog looking for her. She was looking for him. Who right. knows how long he was in the fog looking for her. But he shouldn't be able to go back to the house. Well, I think maybe because she grabbed him and took him. Well, I, maybe. But, but yeah, again, she should be able, but ghost right, rules no are rules, so loosey-goosey. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really understand. That's the thing. He just shows up and it felt convenient. And it felt like this little trick. Like a lot of this feels like plot device, convenience, um, and I just, it was very difficult to rationalize a lot of the stuff in the movie, especially when he shows up. Cause I was just like, I mean, it's cool. It's a cool moment. Like why? Right. Are you like, like the whole, if you just take that, if that was just the short, if it was just him coming home and not, and, and the disconnect. And if it just started like that, if the movie started like that, like that was fascinating because you know what I mean? Like he's, I don't yeah. want, you know what? I don't, I don't want to go down this road because it's just me rewriting the film. But that was that part was fascinating. I think that's another thing though is like when you watch it the first time, like you said, oh, it's, it was cool and stuff. But when you're watching it a second time, you you can't help but think about things a little deeper. That's why you watch something a second time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a, a movie like Ghost with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore, like I can watch that movie a million times. It's a phenomenal movie, and 
it clearly establishes ghost rules. Here's yeah. what they can do. Here's what they can't do. Sixth Sense, even though they don't, throughout the entire movie, they establish, here's what ghosts can and can't do. I feel like to have a good ghost movie, even a movie like 13 Ghosts that I made fun of earlier, they establish their ghost rules as terrible as that movie. It's fun, though. I like that movie. But Well, I mean, I but think- But they establish uh, rules. Right. And to be fair, you know, just because we both like rules to be established doesn't mean that that, that doesn't, you know, doesn't shake out for everyone else. And that's fine. It still works. Um, it, yeah. Uh, I think the big thing about this film, uh, and I don't, cause I don't want to get too negative. Well, we're, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> is that is, and this is going to turn into a negative is that it's got great atmosphere. It looks fantastic. Right. The problem is it looks the same all movie. Nothing changed. It's dreary. It's gray. Again, you leave the theater and it's like, God forbid it was if it was raining that day when anyone watched this in the theater because you'd just be super depressed all day. Yep. You know what I mean? It's just not a fun movie to walk out of at the end. Um, You know, it's like the opposite of escapism. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, and again, there's a, there's definitely a place for those films. It's just, it's tough to revisit those films. Uh, unless you lo- unless you're Wednesday Adams or you love <laughs> depression like that, you know what I mean? Right. And those movies are like kind of like your comfort. So and I, yeah, so it's just I liked the way it looked in the atmosphere. It's just it's just so much that I don't. I mean, it's almost it's, like when it's almost like when the cinematographer is getting ready to set up the shot and he's like, "All right, yeah, I know, more fog, pump it in, let's go." <laughs> <laughs> It's it's like the whole thing. I mean, obviously, it's very gothic and atmospheric, like you said, but it's also it's almost like it wanted to be a a play like the woman in black, even though it's also the Daniel Radcliffe movie. It started as a play. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a good play. Yeah, exactly. The whole time I watched this going, I think this would make a better play than a movie because you'd probably cut it down to be shorter. It doesn't have that many characters. Like I just and you'd be in one location. So the fact that it's so dreary all the time and everything looks the same. Would totally make sense. Mm-hmm. You could do maybe two different rooms, or maybe be able to take one room and swap out different things about it to make it different rooms. Right. But like you said, there's in a lot of movies that have big old houses, there are some really interesting looking rooms within the houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the uh, the new Haunting of Hill House, which is very similar gothic atmosphere, not necessarily super scary, but creepy atmosphere. They have different rooms that all like all the rooms look very different. Whereas in here, I I I couldn't tell you the difference between the different rooms other than some are big and some are small, and some yeah, are covered in sheets. Even even when they go to the present, um, which what do you think that's supposed to be like early fifties or late forties? Like how long have they been dead? I think like mid fifties. Okay. I don't think they've been dead for too long because I think they've been dead just long enough to maybe the house was on the market. Obviously, so the, the bodies are the were first cleaned buyers. Up. Yeah, I think these are the first buyers, which is why that the caretakers have appeared to them mm-hmm. to kind of go like, "Hey, listen, you're gonna have to learn to live with people. Like, we have to learn with to live with you when you were alive. Yeah, because people are gonna keep living in this house." And then they, Mrs. Mills, toss, tosses that line out there where it's it's um like uh you know sometimes they see us, sometimes they don't, and I'm sitting there going, uh, uh, "Why?" Like, I want to know more. Don't just I do want to know that line. I like that line, though, because it's like, obviously, they didn't see him and not everybody can see ghosts or has a haunted experience. So like that kind of 
wasn't I like kind of like that line drop, but like you said, can I learn more now that we know that they're ghosts? Can we learn more about what it is to be ghosts? I think it would have been a much better ending and would have spoken. Like you said, I don't, I don't want to rewrite this either, but you're right that the ending is dreary. Grace doesn't really redeem herself. Unless what if they learn to live with this family Beetlejuice style, you know, (laughs) it's just like, I think that needed to happen because no lessons were learned other than the lesson of, oh, I murdered you guys. But if, okay, we have to learn to live together. Let me treat this little new little boy with respect to treat this family with respect. Now we have to live. We have other people here. Mm -hmm. And then you could have ended it. Obviously they do end where to Victor and his family, the lights are shining and it's nice outside, but it would have been nice to kind of maybe see some of that fog lift around the mansion having grace except who she was or something like that mm-hmm. i laugh because you're like the the it's nice outside it's just light cloudy it's still no sun <laughs> that's still it's england still england. i know it's exactly. i know it's shot in spain but it's or it's still england yeah it's supposed to be jersey yeah yeah jersey island yeah it's it's as sunny as it gets yeah i know <laughs> so the movie is uh, is based a lot on Amenabar's Catholic school education and drawings from books of the 30s and 40s that he read as a child. But I want to focus on the Catholic part because there are a couple moments in the movie where faith comes up. Uh, Definitely at the beginning, about, yeah. Right. Talks about reading the Bible, when she's pushing the chalkboard to cover the door, uh, excuse me, to cover the window. Mm-hmm. There's a inscription on there uh, about faith. And then when she's walking up the stairs, she grabs the rosary. And I want to talk about that moment because I don't know if there's enough in the film about faith, about the theme of faith and God and belief or anything like that to really make the moment when she grabs the rosary and starts reading it to uh, starts reciting the prayers to really to really have the effect that maybe they wanted to have there. What did you think about that or, or about faith as a theme in the movie? I thought the whole theming of faith, faith was definitely that it doesn't have all the answers. That was definitely what I think they were going with there. I mean, even Miss Mills straight up says it at one point, uh, which when you read the notes and you learn that uh, the director was lapsed Catholic, like now he's, he's agnostic. agnostic now. Yeah. So that makes sense. And you can definitely see that, but I think grabbing the rosary, like you said, it just seemed like, oh, we got to heighten. Let's show how scared she is because she's holding the rosary. It didn't really mean anything. Right. It might have been better if she herself was a lapsed Catholic. And as because she thinks her husband is gone and as she goes through the movie, she kind of regains that. Mm-hmm. And they do. T- and I forgot this, but they do talk about the four hells. And yeah. They talk about how, but then at the end, the daughter's like, are we in limbo? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, I don't even know what's going Nobody on. Like, knows. Is yeah. There, yeah. Is there a purgatory? Is there a heaven? What the heck? I mean, I don't, so everybody we've met is it, that's related to this family is all, is a ghost. So is everybody a ghost? You know, it's like, so there's, there's a lot of questions there, I guess for me, which, you know, I mean, honestly, Shut up, Mike. You know, it's like, who cares? Just watch the ghost story, which I get and I respect. So uh, maybe I should just stop nitpicking. No, continue. <laughs> uh, one of the things I really liked in the film, and I don't know if you thought the same thing, was a lot of it reminded me of some of the like the 70s horror films we watched. Like some of the, obviously not the the little African doll one of the trilogy of terror, but the first two trilogies of terrors or burnt offerings 
or any kind of slower paced 70s drama, like some of the lines Miss Mill says, some of the way the, way the music goes and some of the scenes and the way some of the shots were just reminded yeah. me of 70s horror. I think it's yeah, I, th- I just don't think it's enough. I think it, they have to lean that way. If they went that way, maybe it would have been a little bit more palatable and it would have been a different type of story. I think it's, it's seventies, but it's mixed with this nineties ghost story, uh, late nineties ghost stories phenomena that, that started. Cause there was all these one six cents in 99. Oh it was yeah. Like, Snatch every ghost story up and do it. You know? So <laughs> that's the whole, and as I was watching echoes, this, we took, what's up. Oh yeah. Stir of echoes. Yep. Yeah. Cause we talked, that's the first season. Um, you know, there's just a, these, there's just a bunch that come out now after that. Uh, you talk about woman in black. And so it's almost like five or six years of just ghost story stuff. So I think it's, I, th- I, I think what you're saying is accurate that it's seventies, but it's mixed with that late nineties uh, ghost stories rush of, of, and, and that kind of sensibility. So it, it's some kind of amalgamation of those two decades. Um, but I probably would have liked this better if it was just more seventies. Like if this was set, if this was made in the seventies, it probably would have been a much different film. And I probably would have dug it a little bit more. Yeah, the slowness would have at least kind of made sense. Right. I mean, Burn Offerings is slow. Burn Offerings, you know, has a lot of, takes its time as a lot of yeah. drama, but there, but it's just pieced together really well. And it's just... Well, that's a slow uh, unraveling, whereas this, does right, anything really right. unravel? Does anything really well, change? This goes back to the conversation that we're having, that we had to start, which is it, the movie relies on the twist to be the big thing, um, the big reveal and it, a movie like burn offerings doesn't have, doesn't rely on the twist or a twist in there. Right. It, it, you know what I mean? So the unraveling portion is what is fascinating in that movie as well. So I think again, when your movie relies on when you, when you have an M night Shyamalan type ending where it's a big twist at the end, you know, you really should make sure everything else in the film really holds up to scrutiny because if it's just a twist, you're hoping to do to hoping to get people to dig into the film second rewatch ain't going to work out for you. But I think that's exactly what we were saying before. Yep. It's just, if you have a twist, it has to be there as an ad addition. It can't be the movie that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying I mean, obviously I said Shyamalan, uh, you know, like, like you brought me like, all I could think of was the village. Cause knowing the twist, the kind see, of village is still I, a much better movie. That's or, the thing. Like I remember watching the village in the theater and I turned to my buddy and I said, if this is in present day, I'm going to be pissed. Like it was like 10, 15 minutes <laughs> in the movie and it happened and I, and he looks at me and I'm just like, yeah, son of a bitch. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> but to the village's credit, I actually like the first half of the movie. Like I really like that part. Like I would have been okay with no twist. And cause I was real, I really dug the, the relationships. I really dug all the different things. I just, I thought that was, I thought it was really well done. But then obviously once they kick into the high gear for this, for this middle of the second act of the third, it kind of relies on that twist part. And then I was just kind of like, nah. Yeah. But, but you know, but six cents holds up. Absolutely holds up. Oh, six cents for sure. Signs holds up. Sure. Unbreakable. I mean, we could just go yep. through his films but, um, because Unbreakable kind of has that twist at the end, but that's kind of like a classic comic book twist. That he is, um, is the hero and stuff like right, that. Yeah. Right. So, but, but it's still a fantastic film. Um, but yeah, so uh, I mean, I think we've been, we've been laboring this point, so we it's should just probably move the, on from that. <laughs> the twist is, the twist is second to like character development. And I think it all goes back to character development because although I do like this film and 
again, I regretted not liking the first half, like being really mad about picking this movie in the first half <laughs> because the second half redeems it a little bit. But my problem remains that the there's no character development. I don't see any development in Grace's character. And obviously the kids are just kids. They don't really. Like you said, they're just kind of glomming onto Grace because that's all they have. That's all they know. And I don't feel like Grace earned that. And I don't feel like the kids actually trust her more. Probably trust her less knowing that she killed them. But it's all that they've got is that their murderous mother. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, speaking of Kidman, she didn't want to play. She didn't want to do this role. So this role came after Moulin Rouge. And she didn't want to do this film because she thought it would be really depressing. And then when she did it, she quit during rehearsals because it gave her nightmares. So she already knew that this role was going to be tough to do. <laughs> to her credit, she stuck it out. And she's really good, even though we're both saying that she we don't like her character because of what she did. Oh, that's but her character. She plays it very well. Yeah, it's a great performance. Yeah. But she's very, she's very strict, very no nonsense. She's almost oh, yeah, straight she's up tough. like m- mean and, and rude to she is. everyone. You only she, have oh, yeah. four characters, like six characters other than her. The two kids and the three caretakers. After yeah, it only took one scene after she hires Mrs. Mills and, and crew to just start ripping into them. Yeah, but I guess that's just I guess that's just that kind of style. Um, do you now? Would you watch a remake? You mean the Indian remake that they did? No, no, no. no. There's two. <laughs> there's two Hindi remakes uh, that are out there. But no, I'm talking about um, April 2020. Sentient Entertainment acquired the remake rights to the film, and they plan to revamp the film and set it in present day. And then later in 2020, uh, it was announced that Universal Pictures was going to co-produce and distribute the film with Sentient. Now, I haven't heard anything since, but I'm sure I'm sure there's a script out there. I setting it in present day, maybe the concept is the same location or is it just a straight remake? We're not even going to bother with referencing the other one. Probably wouldn't bother referencing it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I wouldn't mind going back and telling the story. But again. I'm going to know the twist. It's not going to be for me. <laughs> True. It's going to be well, for a new generation of audiences. Maybe, maybe the twist shouldn't come at the end of the film. Maybe the twist should come midway through. Reveal it. Yeah. Kind I mean, of like, uh, kind of like Gone Girl uh, does it yeah. through the movie and through the book, to be fair. Um, so yeah, maybe you do it like that. Maybe you just, you don't, that's not something you hold on to in terms of the, the twist. You don't hold it to the end. Because it should be them reconciling that they're ghosts and reconciling what they did. The whole, the mm-hmm. whole thing about ghosts usually in a, a good ghost story is to reconcile what you did. That being a ghost gives you another chance to learn from your mistakes. At least anything that shows ghosts as anything other than the monster. Well, what are some of your favorite ghost movies? I mean, obviously Poltergeist. All right. But the ghosts there are trying to get them off their land trying to be reunited with their bodies obviously it's haunting because we're talking, we're talking about the original everyone yes they mistreated their graves the six obviously six sense is probably my favorite yeah uh, and in that obviously the ghosts have to have something and find peace and move on right. the movie ghost i love as well again about finding peace just with with what happened and when helping the ones you love mm-hmm I can't think of anything else. No, those are probably but those are like the big three. There's probably a bunch of others out there yeah. that we we don't remember. Oh, um, um, what's it called? We were Kid Gervais that we did. Oh, uh, uh, Ghost Town. Ghost Town. Yeah, that's a, I guess that's a good one. It's not really a spooky ghost story, but that's a good one. Casper. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, 
Yeah, that's a good one. You got to basically Frighteners. Frighteners is a is oh more Frighteners. Of an yeah, and that's another one oh. we did on the cast. Yep. But it's yep. the same thing where you have to kind of make peace and then you get to go. Yeah, that's I think right. That's, wrongs. The, that's, that's the theme throughout. There's no I honestly with this movie just taking it back to the others. The, that theme of finding peace and moving on is not here because exactly. I would assume that Mrs. Mills and all them found peace and they just they didn't move on. I feel like they stayed because they really liked the house because she talks about how much they love the house and taking care of the house and stuff. We we were servants in our life and we love the house so much that in our in our afterlife we want to be servants as well. That makes servants no sense. again. Mills. We live no to serve. It's the line from Clue. <laughs> ours is not to do or die. Ours is <laughs> ours is not to reason why. Ours is but to do or die. Alfred Lord go. Tennyson, sir. It. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that's just very a very English sentiment, though. I'm going to give you a Roger Ebert's review. Okay. I only have one review for you this time around. He, <laughs> gave, it two, he gave it two and a half stars out of four, praising that uh, Alejandro Amenabar has the patience to create a lingurious, dreamy atmosphere, and Nicole Kidman succeeds in convincing us that she is a normal person in a disturbing situation and not just a standard-issue horror movie hysteric. However... He notes in drawing out his effects, uh, the director is a little too confident that style can substitute for substance. What do you think about that? I mean, yeah, kind of. That's kind of what we're saying, right? It's yeah, it's a lot. Of, there's not a lot of substance in there. Yeah, it's got a it's got a ton of style. Like I said, if you're oh, yeah. watching the film for the first time, but it absolutely well, works. Okay, I would say. Off the top of my head, obviously, I already talked to the, the cinematography and the atmosphere and, and the, the fog and all that. That's one. I would also include the way he uses the camera in terms of his movements of the camera, especially like when Grace is walking around the house at night trying to the, the piano scene, right? Trying to figure out what's going on, and the camera moves to actually from a still shot to it, it actively moves almost like it's a ghost coming in, coming close to Grace, getting behind her her head. They do that a couple times. And yeah, I thought that was interesting. I thought that style was interesting, but I can't really think of anything else in terms of stylistically. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna count art department and set decoration, or what would you what would you think? What else? What else am I missing? Uh, I I mean, I really enjoyed some of the shots as well when they're creeping around, like the painting when it's really dark in the room, and she goes by the colonial painting, and all of a sudden that white face turns into a portrait. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I thought that was really well done. So that just to jump in there, because I always have facts, mm-hmm. uh, that was actually, it's a close, it's a recreation of an 1855 painting called The Wounded Cavalier. And that's actually like, that's an image from the, the painting. So it's a close up image of that. So, but they, so they had somebody draw that out. And that The Wounded Cavalier is actually by William Shakespeare Burton. So that's where that painting comes from. But go ahead, Butler. Uh, I also think the the scene with... The two scenes, the two haunting, haunting scenes, kind of like the two spooky scenes. The one, the first one where she's undoing all the tarps in the room where everything's covered with tarps and the door behind her closes that she sees in the window. I thought that was very well done. And it was a light scene, which was interesting. And then the scene, obviously, with the the woman with the gray eyes, the medium, oh, when right, she goes right. and she's she, blind, she can't see. She thinks it's her daughter in the dress, but it's actually the medium has possessed her kind of. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so either that was a really cool shot because of the way you can't really tell and then you can start to see that the arm isn't quite right and you go around. I thought that was really good storytelling with the camera in terms of let's start revealing what's under that as you turn around with the as Grace goes around her. 
Yeah, there's a lot of good camera movement in the movie that adds to the tension and, and kind of the uneasiness, maybe not tension, but uneasiness of watching the film. Um, you mentioned the disease that the children have. Uh, it's called xeroderma pigmentosum. And it's if you're extremely sensitive to sunlight, it's extremely rare. Only a thousand people, up to a thousand people in the world will have this. My question, do we really need this? Do the kids really need to have that? An excuse to keep the mood moody. Yeah. I mean, they're already in white makeup, which is supposed to be a hint that they're ghosts. They're really pale. Right. I just don't understand if we really needed. I mean, if, unless that, unless the, uh, the having that disease was part of the reason she's frustrated why she smothers them. It's never really said. That's why. I just don't know if having, if, if using, having that disease is an excuse why they can't leave the house or they're, or they have to be, you know, in the attic deep at night. I don't, I don't understand. I didn't, I didn't know if we needed it. Mm. I just don't know how you keep them in the house. Other than giving them something like that. Maybe they just don't ever leave the house. Both kids are agoraphobic. I mean, they're so little though. You just be Maybe. like, get the hell out of this house. Especially back then. Maybe. You wouldn't care about yeah. their mental health. Not in 1950. They, but here's the other thing. If they're extremely sensitive to sunlight, then maybe they don't, they sleep during the day and they do stuff at night. Like maybe like, you know what I mean? That's something I thought of. I'm like, well, why don't they just do stuff at night? Why don't they just change your routine? Yeah. That's also true. Yeah. Stop poking anyway. holes in this movie, man. <laughs> well, why are we saying it's forgotten? I think we've just said why it's forgotten. I think it doesn't hold up for a second watch. So a lot of people saw it when it first came out. I mean, made a ton of money here and overseas. It was Spain's most popular movie until what, 2014? Mm -hmm. uh, it was overtaken. But it just doesn't. So like everybody has seen it. Or at least saw it at the time. But I don't think people really go back to it. I don't think people really take a look at it. And it does have some really good shots and, and, and decoration and atmospheric horror. But I feel like the story now doesn't hold up because it relies on the twist. And I feel like there are a lot of people now that do that twist better or, and have done ghost stories better. Like this was great back then in terms of atmospheric horror, but now you've got stuff like, um, Hill house and what Bly Manor has just come out as well, which is the sequel series. And those I think take atmospheric horror and do it so much better and have amazing character development where you actually care about the characters. And I feel like oh. this just doesn't. Uh, for $17 million, though, that's pretty good in terms of what you got out of your budget. Oh, they made a ton. Lim yeah. And limited back cast. And I'm sure Kidman did this for scale because the Cruise was producing it. Uh, I guess I want to throw two things in here that to see if you think this is also a reason why it was forgotten or maybe not, not, for, not so much forgotten, just kind of like people don't talk about it anymore. This movie came out the weekend where Cruise and Kidman were getting divorced. Oh, I'm sure uh, that so killed were, the publicity. Yeah. Highly, highly prolific, highly publicized uh, divorce. And that's kind of when it wrapped up. That might have helped the movie, though, just to kind of see her in it. But yeah. regardless of that. So who knows? And and I don't really put a lot. I don't put a lot of weight into the personal lives of actors and actresses and directors who are watching these films, unless it's something that's really big. So I just wanted to bring that up. The other thing I wanted to bring up is this is almost uh, a month to the date before the attacks on 9-11. And I'm wondering if, because after that happened, I mean, it's not like people were thinking like we got to get to the theater. Yeah. So I'm wondering if 
and I never looked into this if box office took a dig, if, if, if it was just kind of like people just didn't want to, you know, we're just glued to the TV because you know, obviously we all, well, a lot of people know what happened after that in terms of, you know, we went to war on terror and all that stuff. So I'm just curious if you think that that had any effect on it. I'm sure it did in terms of staying power. I also think that after nine 11, do you really want something that depressing? Well, is that really what you want? In terms of like, in terms of the other stories getting made, maybe, I mean, we talk about it on the cast. I think we talk about this on the cast, how horror films often reflect how society is feeling at that time. They're a great reflection in terms of what, you know, what people's fears are, what people are concerned about. And you, you get in through a lot of filmmakers and writers and, and storytellers, you get a lot of that in horror um, more so than anything else. Right. So, you know, maybe this, no ghost stories kind of were no longer in vogue after this. And it became something else like zombies. And, you know, I think zombies is when this kind of zombies started coming back. Right. This after, is, this is yeah. around when zombies started coming back. Yeah. So, so maybe that could be part of it. Maybe it just kind of people don't go back and look at this film uh, as one, like to like, you know, let's, let's watch this. I remember let's watch this, you know, there's other things. It's also depressing. So like we said, it's really difficult to go back and watch it again. And cause you're not going to, you don't want to be the, be depressed on a Saturday night. Yeah. When it's for movie night. <laughs> but I mean, I think maybe all those maybe factor in, maybe none of them factor in, maybe we're just, you know, full of it because they made $210 million. So who cares? But you can't find it now. Really? That's true. That's true. But you know what, Butler? Where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all the other great podcasts and videos we have for you. And join us on the lobby or in the lobby, which is our Facebook group where you can talk about movies. Do you remember the others? Do you agree with us? Have you seen it since the first time? Does the twist really hold up for you? Let us know. And join us next week as the worst time of the year for Butler comes around the end of Forgotten Horror. And we're finishing off, <laughs> I guess, with a bang with the 1997 science fiction horror film Event Horizon. This is our first science fiction horror film, right? I don't know. I mean, our vampires aren't real. Can't that be science fiction? I mean, I guess, yeah, technically. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's next week. We'll do doing Event Horizon. That stars Lawrence Fishburne. Directed by Paul W. S. Anderson, not the the other P. T. Anderson or P. A. Anderson, I guess. As he's, I don't know if he's known if he's known as that. <laughs> P. A. Anderson. That's next week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler, and this has been Forgotten Cinema. No, 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 no. Forgotten horror, not for long.